I think a real leader is somebody that creates additional leaders, right? Like I'm doing this now. I'll be doing this for, you know, a handful more years. I don't know, whatever the number is. But um, there needs to be the next generation that kind of takes leadership. That's Chad Farrell the founder and CEO of Encore Renewable Energy, who explains to us his competitive advantage in one simple sentence. Uh, Being able to sit across the table from a potential customer or a potential um, uh, financier and be able to say, look, you know, we believe in the power of um, business as a force for, you know, for the greater good. And and so your investment here or your project here is not only going to deliver, you know, much needed electricity to the grid in places where it's needed, it's also going to deliver property taxes for the community it sits in, lease revenue for the farmer or the the owner of that brownfield site that uh, doesn't have any other means for deriving revenue from that property. You know, it's going to derive, it's going to generate jobs in the local economy. So really trying to get after that triple bottom line nature um, of our business. Now, I want you to think about this. Have you seen an increase in solar panels where you live? If the answer is yes, that's because the cost to install solar has dropped 70% and its market share has gone from 0.1 to 2% in the last decade alone. Welcome everyone to episode 37 of the Relators Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Edwards, and here to help us understand where panels come from, how solar farms are financed, and the leadership that it takes to sustain a business is the real Chad Farrell. Two, one. Welcome, world, to episode 37 of the Relators Podcast with uh, Real Leader Chad Farrell, the CEO and founder of Encore Renewable Energy. Chad, how are you doing this fine Thursday? I'm doing terrific, Kevin. Thank you very much for the opportunity to be here. Well, thanks for coming on the show. And, and Chad, just to reiterate to our Real Leader fans out there, your company has placed um, in the top 100 of the really top 100 impact companies of 2019. We're going to talk all about that growth and the impact that you're having this podcast. But before we explain the business, I'd like to take us back to kind of how you started Encore Renewable Energy. You know, where did this uh, idea come from? Sure. Well, I think it did. It does go back a little bit more than a decade at this point. Um, We, you know, I started the company to really be, it was, the company was founded as, a, as Encore Redevelopment. And the goal of Encore Redevelopment was to unlock the potential of um, contaminated hazardous waste sites uh, throughout the country, um, generally uh, to be, um, you know, for the means of traditional real estate development. So it was taking an environmentally challenged piece of property, Um, cleaning it up to the point where it was suitable for redevelopment generally by, uh, you know, a commercial real estate um, uh, project. Um, But, you know, I started the company in 2007 and clearly I think most folks know what was going on around that time with respect to real estate in particular, but, you know, financial markets as a whole. Um, So by 2008, 2009, there was not a lot of um, real estate development happening on brownfields, greenfields, whatever. So, um, and at the same time, um, the Obama administration uh, came to Washington, D.C. with a 
with an agenda uh, as part of a stimulus package that included a pretty significant a focus on clean energy, renewable energy, energy efficiency, um, things such as that. So the proverbial light bulb went off over my head, um, which uh, said, you know, hey, this is this this is going to be, uh, you know, a pretty important industry moving forward. Um, you know, I think I, you layer that on to the fact that uh, you know I've I've personally been an environmentalist um, all my life and. Uh, you know, I kind of viewed this opportunity as a means with which to make a real difference, um, you know, from an environmental standpoint. Um, so you know, we delivered our first solar project in, we started actively developing solar projects in 2009. Uh, we delivered our first project in 2010. Um, we did a few, you know, projects here and there in 11 and 12. And, you know, the story that I like to tell about those initial projects is would take, uh, you know, it would take a mission driven investor, you know, okay, with a four to 5% return, it would take zero interest debt, it would take three different grants, and maybe, you know, we could get a 100 kilowatt project delivered. Um, and maybe we could do two or three of those a year. Um, you know, fast forward a few years, and as a result of a lot of that investment, um, that was made in, in, the, in the years of the Obama administration, um, you know, we have a, a mature market at this point, which would not have been possible if it were not for you know, proactive leadership at the federal level. And quite frankly, here in Vermont as well, um, I feel, you know, I, t I tell this story as well. I never thought moving to Vermont would be a good career move, um, but it's turned out to be great. We had some terrific leadership uh, in the early part of this decade um, with respect to renewable energy policies. Um, the utilities got on board, the legislature got on board, the governor was on board and really put forth a, you know, you know, an early leading marketplace for renewable energy. So, uh, you know, uh, fairly fortunate to have found myself in the right place at the right time, um, both uh, with respect to the federal government as well as state government here. Um, and, uh, you know, fast forward, um, a handful of years, um, you know, we're at the point where we've delivered, you know, close to 75, um, commercial scale solar projects, uh, in the state of Vermont. Um, we're active in, um, neighboring markets of New York and New Hampshire, um, some of the other New England states, uh, and we're looking to expand further based on sort of, you know, the lessons that we've learned here in one of the earlier markets uh, in the country. So we're, we're pretty excited and we're, you know, we're pretty psyched that we get to live in a place like Vermont and do what we do um, and be able to make a living doing it. Oh, I'm sure you are. I heard they got pretty good maple syrup out there. Pretty good. Yeah. And we, they, we make some pretty good beer up here too. So there you go. There you go. Well, so Chad, you were telling me uh, you started out, uh, the legislation came in and you, you kind of took on this big risk. Maybe we can do one or two projects a year. Uh, where else did you get your funding from and what challenges did you run into along the way? Sure. Well, you know, again, um, looking at the, from the perspective of, of being here in Vermont, um, you know, Vermont uh, has a pretty, solid legacy with respect to socially responsible business. Um, you know, the Vermont businesses for social responsibility was a group that was formed by early leaders at Ben and Jerry's seventh generation, um, you know, and some other, you know, widely known, um, uh, corporate names. Um, 
that created a, an ecosystem of mission driven business. So I was fortunate to become associated with a number of the folks that started those companies. Um, they were interested in the burgeoning renewable energy industry at that point and, and bringing, um, bringing that industry to the state of Vermont. Um, so, you know, there were some early investments from some of those uh, entrepreneurs from um, previous businesses. And um, uh, concurrently, um, because the state put, uh, a, you know, a pretty solid focus on this new sector of the economy, a lot of um, lenders and a lot of, um, you know, state-backed lending institutions um, got into the space. So we were able to secure some debt funding from the Vermont Economic Development Authority um, and other non-traditional lenders, um, you know, where the traditional banking industry wasn't quite comfortable, but as, um, you know, as a state-sponsored lending agency, um, groups like Vita and, um, and other Vermont Community Loan Fund, um, you know, part of their mission is to help establish um, sectors like, like the renewable energy sector in the Vermont economy. So um, there were some financing opportunities that, you know, quite frankly, you know, might not exist in other states. And we were able to secure some funding that way. So, you know, it was a combination of equity investment, um, some debt investment. Um, we're actually closing on some working capital later today after this call or after this um, podcast, uh, you know, which will help us continue to advance um, the business. Um, and that, again, is, uh, you know, it's a number of different mission-driven investment funds um, that want to be engaged around the renewable energy marketplace. Um, we've also been fortunate to be able to um, develop and, and deliver, you know, a number of projects and we've rolled um, the, you know, the profits from those projects back into the business to continue our growth. Well, well I'm glad it's paying off. I mean, taking on that risk and now you're reaping the benefits, uh, but obviously investors aren't just going to give you their money. You definitely have a sustainable business model behind it. Um, and that's what I want to ask you next, you know, what are the different aspects of Encore? Sure. So we're, you know, we're a, a solar project development company, um, specifically focused on sort of the larger middle to larger scale projects. So commercial industrial scale projects, we do, we do not do any residential, um, work. Um, so we're solely focused on, on that larger scale project size. Um, you know, so I would say, you know, that that's our bread and butter and, you know, we, in doing so, um, you know, we, we like to say we take projects from concept to commissioning, uh, meaning that we originate um, the um, lease agreements with landowners, whether that be, you know, a brownfield site owner or a landfill owner, uh, you know, a building owner to look at their roof. We've, we've been active in um, doing a number of carport projects recently, you know, and we've, we've done a bunch of work on, on dairy farms and other agricultural mm. land. Um, so we secure the land. And then we go find somebody to who's interested in purchasing the renewable energy that's generated on that land. Uh, and then we capitalize the development process, which includes design of the project, all the permitting activities, securing interconnection agreements with the utility, and ultimately, you know, getting to the point where we have everything that's required to finance the construction of the project and ultimately go and build it and then operate it. Um, 
the majority of our projects, we work with, um, you know, larger tax equity funds that are focused on solar, the solar asset class. Um, but we do own a few projects on balance sheet. Um, we're looking to do more of that, but as a growing business rolling our, our, our profits and our revenues back into the business, um, mainly that's been in the form of bringing on additional, um, bringing on additional talent, um, and, and growing the business that way. Mm. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a lot of different ways in which we work. We also will work with other, um, investor owners. So there are a number of corporations that we've worked with that are interested in unlocking the potential of, uh, solar energy for their own, um, for their own usage, uh, with respect to their operations. And we will, walk those, um, walk those folks through the solar, the design development, construction and financing processes mm. because we've done it before ourselves and we've helped others do it. So a couple of different ways in which we work, um, you know, but I think, uh, at the end of the day, it's all, um, you know, it's, it's all the same kind of project regardless of who we're working for or with. And Chad, real quick, who manufactures the solar panels? Are you allowed to tell us that? Yeah, no, we, we work with a number of different vendors. Um, you know, there are some domestically produced panels, um, but the majority of these panels are coming from overseas. Um, traditionally, um, there are, um, you know, we, we need to um, deploy quote unquote financeable um, mm -hmm. equipment. So these are some of the leading panel manufacturers in the world. Okay. Um, uh, Canadian Solar is a group that we worked with extensively, Trina, um, there's a, there are a number of different, um, well-regarded, um, panel manufacturers with strong balance sheets where the warranties are going to be, you know, respected throughout the, um, duration of the contract period. And these contracts are longer, you know, in order to make a solar project cash flow at a sufficient return, um, you know, we're talking 20 to 25 year contracts. So we need to make sure that we're deploying equipment that we can rely on, um, at least at the very least from a, a warranty standpoint for, you know, extended amount of time. Um, but yeah, generally, you know, the model is that we, um, purchase all the equipment, um, and then serve as essentially the general contractor, um, and or utilize the services of another, um, general contractor to ultimately build the project. Um, you know, that includes working with, racking manufacturers and electrical electrical contractors and the panel manufacturers um site civil folks you know we're um laser focused on on developing you know the most attractive and the most the least aesthetically impact uh, you know screening solution to mitigate the visual impact of the projects that we're building and so solar panels themselves, I mean, when I was a, a young, a young kid, uh, when they're coming out, I was like, these are the future. This is amazing. You can get harness energy from the sun. Um, and then you learn about the, the different types of, of wind energy or wave energy now, I guess. Um, you know, why would a farm, um, you know, choose like Encore over like wind energy? Well, you know, it kind of depends where you're located. I mean, you know, look, I think okay. wind energy is another like tremendous tool in the renewable energy toolbox. We are not uh, as focused on wind um, primarily um, because, uh, you know, in the Northeast here, the majority of the wind projects that are going in these days are offshore. And mm -hmm. those are, those are huge, you know, you know, in certain cases, you know, multiple, multiple, multiple million dollar projects. 
They are um, 10, eight to 10 year development timelines. So, you know, we've been more focused on the, you know, shorter duration, um, shorter timeline solar projects. Okay. Um, but I think, and, and then it comes down to resource, right? A lot of um, farms or a lot of, you know, the sites that we work on, um, you know, just don't have sufficient wind resource. Um, so, um, whereas the solar resources is sufficient. Um, so yeah, I'd say there's a number of different tools in the toolbox, but we're focused on the solar one. Um, interestingly enough, we're, we're seeing solar paired more and more with, um, energy storage, primarily in the form of battery storage. And this is, uh, a way to essentially, um, you know, uh, make the distribution profile of solar, which let's face it, you know, solar's not generating any electricity at night or, you know, in, in a rainstorm. So the battery allows the utility or the customer to essentially store up power when, you know, they may not need it during the daytime hours and discharge it at a time when it's more economical to do so. Mm-hmm. So we're seeing, and especially here in Vermont, which is um, a slightly more, uh, advanced, um, we have a slightly more advanced solar penetration, um, than other States. We're starting to see, um, the daytime peak, uh, from the utilities, you know, shift to the evening hours. So the utilities are saying, well, we, you know, we need to find some form of generation during the evening hours. Cause that's when our peak demand is. Um, whereas, you know, six, seven, eight years ago, that peak demand was occurring during the daytime hours and solar alone could address that. Um, nowadays, um, we're deploying storage projects alongside solar projects to be able to essentially levelize or more efficiently levelize the distribution profile of the solar energy. Interesting. And now you're B, a certified B corporation, isn't that right? And so a benefit corporation. Um, why is that so important um, to have that fiduciary responsibility uh, to yeah. be transparent about your impact and everything like that? Well, I think there's a lot of reasons there. Um, uh, you know, I think, so we became a B Corp in 2016. Um, you know, I think as a means of really codifying the values that we'd always had in the business, um, which again, getting back to, um, you know, some of my mentors and, and some of the folks that we work with in and around Vermont businesses for social responsibility, um, you know, uh, it was just that's been in our DNA from the beginning. So it's always been a triple bottom line impact type business. Um, so, but I think becoming a B Corp has again helped us sort of solidify that. Um, it's also been important, I think, for uh, being able to sit across the table from a potential customer or a potential um, uh, financier and be able to say, look, you know, we believe in the power of. Um, business as a force for, you know, for the greater good. And so your investment here or your project here is not only going to deliver, you know, much needed electricity to the grid in places where it's needed. It's also going to deliver property taxes for the community. It sits in lease revenue for the farmer or the the owner of that brownfield site that uh, doesn't have any other means for deriving revenue from that property. You know, it's going to derive, it's going to generate jobs in the local economy. So really trying to get after that triple bottom line nature um, of our business. And, and let's face it, you know, we're, we're in the renewable energy business. So I think on the environmental side of that three-legged triple bottom line stool, we're, we're pretty solid, um, which I think gets to another important point about um, becoming a B Corp is 
um, is talent, right? We're seeing um, a lot of folks, uh, especially the younger generations, looking to engage in work that is meaningful and that is delivering some form of greater value than just a paycheck. Mm. Um, so we're, we're very uh, focused on, um, you know, uh, the folks that work at Encore as well as, you know, the subcontractors and the communities in which we work and trying to make sure that we're always delivering, uh, um, you know, the best value, you know, in terms of the human resources required uh, to do these projects. Um, so, I, you know, and I think also, you know, I'm knocking on wood as I say this, but I think we've had a decent run um, with employee retention. We try to, you know, really treat the employees as well as we can. Um, turnover is one of the bigger problems in the business world today. Um, and, you know, we've been um, fairly successful in, in retaining, uh, retaining our, our, our employees. And that has helped obviously grow, grow the business and, and you know, add stability to the business. Right. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of reasons. Um, uh, for becoming a B Corp. And I mean, we are evangelists at this point, you know, we, um, we tell other businesses, you know, we talk about the benefits of being a B Corp. We talk about, you know, the, the, the benefits of the triple bottom line business model. Um, you know, I think, you know, there's an avenue for doing uh, more business amongst like-minded businesses and that it's been helpful in that regard as well. Um, so there's a lot of reasons why become a B Corp, I think was a seminal moment for the company. Definitely. And, and I feel like if you're in the uh, renewable energy space, you really have to have that farsighted leadership. I mean, you said 20 to 25 year warranties in, mm -hmm. in loans. I mean, you, you gotta be thinking in advance and, uh, having, like you said, employees who aren't just coming to work to get a paycheck, but coming to work because they care about what they do and their impact in this world, uh, which right. is lowering the turnover rate is incredible. Um, yep. so let's, let's stay on that idea of vision, um, and, and what's to come in the future. Um, but right now, uh, you know, when I hear, uh, politicians say clean coal, clean coal, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't register with my brain. Um, in 26 or in 20, the Obama administration, said, uh, they did a really good job of, um, enabling, uh, you said clean energy legislature legislation, um, are there any threats that could really change um, how, or are you worried about anything in legislation right now that could affect your business? You know, uh, look, I think um, we've learned a lot in the last couple of years here. Um, you know, there, there were, um, you know, at the federal level, tariffs are, are, are never helpful <laughs> for any business. You know, the uncertainty that's created by those tariffs, you know, that definitely mm -hmm. had a meaningful impact on our business. Um, you know, in the solar business, you know, we faced, uh, it was a good nine months of uncertainty as far as being able to understand where the proposed uh, solar tariffs were going to land. That had a direct impact on our pipeline for 2018. And as a result, I, and we're not unique to this, the solar industry as a whole um, had a down year in 2018 as compared to 17. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of that was the result of the uncertainty um, that was created by those, the, you know, the impending tariffs. Mm. Um, I think, um, you know, with respect to um, legislation, well, let me back up one minute and just close on that. The one thing I think the good thing that came out of all of that was that 
we realize that this industry is now established, it's resilient, and we are starting to win on pure economics alone. Mm. Um, so with respect to clean coal or, or older forms of electrical generation, you know, um, that, that, that model is, is, is going away based on purely on economics. Um, you know, we're at a point now where, um, you know, solar plus storage is replacing gas peaker plants. It's certainly replacing coal plants. And so as we move toward, um, what is uh, commonly referred to as a distributed energy generation model as compared to the previous model, which was centrally produced, um, production, um, you know, we feel pretty good that we're in a, in a decent spot to be able to capitalize on that, on that shift. Um, and it's a big coal fired power plants. You know, we're now moving towards a megawatt here, five megawatts there, 500 kilowatts there, you know, six kilowatts on your house. And that's all part of this distributed energy model that we're really excited about. And I think that is gaining significant traction, uh, as the economics become more and more competitive. Uh, with respect to renewables. And I, and I think uh, what you also mentioned is you're excited about the next generation. Uh, you said they're coming in, they understand the business, they understand the purpose. What advice do you have for the next generation? I'd say follow your passion. Um, and if your passion, you know, is renewables, great. If your passion is, uh, you know, uh, local food, great. But I think it's, 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 it's all about passion and passion is um, driving innovation and innovation is driving the market. So um, yeah, it would be absolutely follow your passion, um, you know, and look for, look for companies that do um, espouse the values of the triple bottom line business model. Um, you know, I, I think we've put together a great team here. Um, we work well together because uh, you know, we've established foundations of trust and transparency and, you know, open-mindedness. And so really, I think, um, you know, finding that passion and then finding a company that shares that passion, um, you know, be kind of the best advice I could give. Obviously, study hard, get good rest, <laughs> you know, <laughs> seriously, <laughs> you know, eat well, do the little <laughs> everything, your mom, everything your mom told you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so we think real leaders prepare the future, just like you said. Um, the last thing I want to ask you is, is what is your definition of a real leader? You know, I, I've been thinking a bit about this, obviously. And, um, I think a real leader is somebody that creates additional leaders, right? Like I'm doing this now. I'll be doing this for, you know, a handful more years. I don't know whatever the number is, but, um, there needs to be the next generation that kind of takes leadership. So, you know, we talk here at Encore about teaching and uh, mentorship and, and those are all, you know, forms of um, leadership training or leadership development. So, you know, I hope that the folks that I'm working with today, you know, go off and in their next phases of their careers and um, they um, become leaders in their own right. And they, you know, follow, uh, in some of the, you know, some of the processes that we've put forth here that we've talked about that we spent time on, um, and, and, and they then create additional leaders. And, um, so yeah, I would say it's, you know, Gandhi had a great quote about this very thing, you know, true leadership is, you know, not managing 
people, it's managing other leaders. And so I, I think um, we've thought about that a lot in our hiring practice here at Encore. Um, I, I do believe we have a team full of leaders. All of their opinions matter. Um, I think they know that their opinions matter. And, um, you know, so that is ultimately what I'm trying to, to do is, is enhance their leadership um, abilities and so that they can bring those to bear for Encore and they can bring those to bear in, in the remainder of their careers to continue to do good work, whatever, you know, whatever they may in fact be doing or whatever industry they may, be, may in fact be in. Well, Chad, we think you're a real leader. Um, and as you said, we want to create more of them. So if you're listening to this, hope you're inspired, um, to do good, to, uh, take Chad's, uh, wisdom from today and, and apply it. Um, uh, Mr. Farrell, any last words or any additional information about where people can find uh, more about Encore Renewable Energy? Sure. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Kevin. First of all, it's been a pleasure and I really appreciate the opportunity. Um, yeah, you can check us out at www.encorerenewableenergy.com. Um, we're fairly active on Twitter and LinkedIn and various other social media platforms. Um, and uh, yeah, again, really just appreciate the opportunity to to sort of tell folks that, you know, the triple bottom line business model, uh, the B Corp business model, the, the, the model that the real leaders um, espouses and, and celebrates, it really is beneficial from a number of different um, avenues, not just purely economic, although that is a big portion of it. So really thrilled to have been uh, part of this inaugural uh, Real Leaders 100. For Chad Farrell, I'm Kevin Edwards telling you, if you want to see more real leaders like Chad and Encore Renewable Energy, go online and today, if you use code FREE100, you can pick up a free Real Leaders 100 magazine with a year subscription. Um, once again, that's going to be at real-leaders.com slash subscribe. Pick up your magazine today using code FREE100. All right, folks, appreciate your time today on episode 38 of the Real Leaders Podcast. And the last thing we need you all to do is just keep it real. Thanks for coming on, Chad. Thank you.